Well, good morning, Resurrection Presbyterian Church and anyone else who may be joining us online. I am Jared Bryant, the pastor of Resurrection. And if you weren't able to join in two weeks ago, we looked at a passage that I believe is foundational for who we are and what we are about as a church family. It was from the first letter to Corinthians where we are reminded very clearly about what is most important for us in life. You heard these words from the Apostle Paul where he said, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, of this gospel or this good news that I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. For I delivered to you, I shared with you as of as what is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and to the 12 and to 500 others. And what we saw was that the center of our life together as a church family and as a church body is Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And it's critical that this uh, remain the center, that it's what we are grounded in and living out of, and that we come back to again and again. But today and over the next two weeks, we're going to consider what it looks like for us to live out of this core reality together as a church. We're going to be focusing on what we call the mission of our church. Our mission is what we believe God has called us to do. So any successful organization is going to have a clear mission, whether it's a hospital, an elementary school, a rehab program, a military platoon, even a family. And the same is true for a church. So why was resurrection started over 10 years ago? Why do we meet week in and week out? Why do we give our time and energy to this ongoing work? Why are we building towards this new facility on the east side of Athens? These are questions of purpose, of what matters most to us as a church family. And our hope is that our heart and purpose as a people reflects Jesus's heart and purpose. We want to be about the same thing that he is about. And so for the sake of making it simple and memorable, we've summarized our mission in three words, gather, grow, and give. And these are three words that you've heard before and you will heard us you will hear us talk more about in the future. And while this language might be new, the ideas behind them are very old. They describe the work that really the church has always been called to do. And today and the next two Sundays, we're going to take these one at a time considering today what is our call to gather. And and where I want us to begin is with Jesus because if If what we say we are about is not in line with what Jesus is about, then we know we're heading in the wrong direction. And so when we ask the question, what is our mission? We want to ask, what was Jesus's mission? And so this morning, we're looking at the gospel according to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And I realize some of you in your groups have already read this, but I want to read it again. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. It's abundant, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. There are four questions I want to ask of this text that I hope will help us to to be more in line with what Jesus is doing. So first, what does Jesus see? Second, what does Jesus feel? Third, what does Jesus do? And finally, what does it mean for us? So Jesus, what he sees, what he feels, what he does, and what it all means for us. First, what does Jesus see? So when God comes among us, when he lives and breathes and and eats and walks in our midst, when he's immersed in humanity, what does he see all around him? And, And the answer that we see here is that he sees need. He sees deep need and he sees a lot of it. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The idea here of being harassed is one of the weight of life and all of its brokenness being pushed down upon you. It's to be weighed down. It's to be pushed around. It's to be beat up. They are harassed. And not only that, they are helpless to stop it. The Greek word here for helpless, it it literally means to be cast to the ground. It's like the weight of life has come down on you so badly and crushed you so much that you are on the ground and there is nothing that you can do to get up. You are helpless on your own. And in this condition, Jesus says they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep cannot function without a shepherd. They have this terrible sense of direction. They have no clue where they are going or where they need to go. They're easily frightened. They will bite and tear each other apart. They cannot protect themselves in any way. They will actually stay in places where there is no food, even though there is food just yards away. They will run into all sorts of dangers on their own. And when Jesus looks at the crowd, they're made up of both rich and poor, educated, uneducated, religious, irreligious. It's, it's a hodgepodge of humanity. What he sees when he looks is not a people who have it all together, who can do life on their own. What he sees is people in need. And as we read through the rest of the gospel, this need becomes even more clear. There's, there is a weight of guilt that comes from sin. There is a a weight of shame. There is a crushing weight of the brokenness of relationships with other people. And there's an even more crushing weight of a broken relationship with God. There is more weight and harassment of evil forces working against us. And then there is this, this unliftable weight of sickness and even death. And if you put it all together, it makes sense what Jesus says is that our existence is one of being harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's crushing, which is why Jesus later on is going to give this invitation saying, come to me, every one of you who is weary and weighed down, and I will give you rest. It's easy to scroll through something like Instagram and to see people with no problems. The kids are are smiling. They look like perfect angels. 
Families are happy and well-rested. They're enjoying a nice steak and a glass of wine, surrounded by rivers and mountains, often in these beautiful places. It, It just looks like life as it was meant to be. And when I was working as a counselor in a private practice, it was always startling to me how different what was going on underneath people's lives was from what they often portrayed out to others in public. Because as I dug deeper into people's lives, it was, it was truly amazing the levels of need, the levels of brokenness that we spend so much of our lives trying to hide from each other. And in our communities, this there's so much of this below the surface. There's poverty, there's broken homes, domestic violence, addiction, mental illness, spiritual deadness, and it's all mixed together. And when Jesus looks, he's able to see below the surface. He's able to see need and he calls us as his people to be a people who have eyes to see this, who are on the lookout, not just for what is on the surface, but for the needs and the hurts and the struggles that are below the surface. Which brings us to our second question, what did Jesus feel? So we can see need and respond to it in all kinds of different ways. So think about if you are approached by a homeless person downtown. We can feel fear, I'm in danger. We can feel disgust. They look dirty. We can feel anger. Why don't you get a job? We can feel greed. I'm not giving any of my hard-earned money. We can feel guilt. I probably should do something. Or we can feel indifference. You, you don't matter and I'm just going to ignore you. We can feel similarly for the high-end CEO who, who makes 10 times as much as us. We, we, we can feel all sorts of different emotions for the different types of people that we see in our community. When Jesus sees a flood of people who are crushed by life, what does he feel? We see that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So he sees people who are harassed. He sees people who are helpless unable to get out of their own struggles. And he sees people who are wandering lost like sheep without a shepherd, not just the poor, but, but everyone. And he was able to look below the surface and his heart goes out to him. The, the Greek word behind compassion is one of intense gut-wrenching emotion. It's so much more than just feeling sorry for someone else. It's, it's this gut level response that, that you feel so deeply and personally that it moves you towards others. It's to see suffering and to feel it and to out of love enter into it. Jesus is not a robot. He feels deeply. He's not indifferent and distant and unconcerned with what we are up against. He feels compassion. And that's the kind of God that we need. Ancient Roman culture at this time was filled with all sorts of gods and goddesses that cared nothing for the human condition, the human plight and need. They were, the stories were them being too consumed with their power and their pleasure to be bothered by human problems. How different was Jesus from what was common in the Roman world at his time? Jesus saw crushing need and he felt gut-wrenching compassion. Which brings up the question, what do we feel when we look around? As we see need around us, what is our response? 
This brings us to our third question. What did Jesus do? You can see without feeling, and you can also feel without doing anything about it. You can feel bad for someone in their condition without taking one step to help. You can even move away from it. What about Jesus? Well, first, notice what he's already doing in verse 35. He went throughout all the cities and villages. Cities, these larger places, more people, more power, more influence. Villages, very small, very few people, little to no power, little to no influence. And Jesus, in his ministry here, he's going to both. As Francis Schaeffer would would point out in, in one of his essays, to Jesus, there are no little people and no little places. He places incredible value on the people and the places that we often write off as simply insignificant or a lost cause. But as he, as he is going, as he is moving towards, what is he doing? We read, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus is moving not away from need, but towards need. He is announcing good news. He is speaking truth. He is giving a message saying God is doing something, something that we have anticipated and hoped for for ages that the prophets spoke about. But now, now it is becoming a reality. This long hidden plan is unfolding. God is doing something to rescue us from our sin, from our brokenness, to heal us from our suffering. And as Jesus heals, he's giving people a taste of this good news, this new life and this hope of the kingdom. These people had real physical needs and Jesus brings healing to them. These people had real spiritual needs and he shares good news with them. And while right now he is just sharing this good news by what he says, he is shortly going to become the good news by what he does. How far will Jesus' compassion for us take him? How far will Jesus go to help us in our need? What will he do to rescue us, harassed and helpless, people lost like sheep without a shepherd? The cross is the answer to all of those questions. This is the place where the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep because he sees our need, he is driven by compassion, and he enters in to save us. So now our final question, what does it all mean for us? Some of our our unsung heroes right now are the medical community at our local hospitals serving at the front lines. And I think about specifically some in our own church who are doing this day in and day out. They are around COVID patients all day in these places where the virus is everywhere. They are around sickness. They are around fear. They are around death. They are around grieving families. And And as I listen to their experiences, it can be a very dark place. And they enter into it day after day. It's hard work. It's draining work. It's risky work. So why are they doing it? They are doing it because it's good work and because they believe it is good to enter into this place of need to give of their lives to bring healing and to bring hope. In many ways... I think that's a beautiful picture of the work that God is calling us 
each of us individually and our church as a whole to every day to see need, to enter in with gut level compassion, even if it is risk, even if it is uncomfortable, even if it is difficult and to help to work, to labor, to speak words of hope, to give good news and to serve in acts of mercy. When you look at the world, people all around, what do you see? What do you feel? And what are you doing with the precious life, these few moments that God has given you? What what matters to you and what matters to us as a church? Jesus is crystal clear. We have a significant role to play in the work that God is doing. We are not a missionless people. God has given us clear pathway forward that will look in many different ways in each of our lives, but it has the same heart. And we see it coming to life in verse 31, where Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly or plead, beg the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The picture here is this plentiful, abundant harvest of acres and acres and acres of good crop that's rather ready to be gathered in and brought in. But the problem is that there's, there are too few people who are able or going to do the work, this work of gathering in. And Jesus says, pray, pray for God to send out, or it's a strong word sending out. It's compelling. It's driving out. It's pray for God to send out people to do this work of gathering others in, of bringing them, of seeking out the lost and bringing them to the good shepherd. And then it's interesting because when he tells them to to pray this big prayer about what God is doing in the world, and then just a few verses later in this next chapter, these disciples find out ironically that they are actually part of the answer to their own prayer because Jesus is going to send them out. He's going to send out to work saying, go, do what I'm doing. And we see that they are sent to proclaim good news as well. And they are sent to heal and to help. This is a key part of our mission to join Jesus in his work of gathering, of bringing people back to God through words of truth and good news and acts of mercy and sacrifice. Do we want others to know the goodness and healing power of this good shepherd? And do our lives reflect that every day? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let's follow Jesus and his mission for the good of the world. Amen.